I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 326 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games Yay. that we're recording from a temporary studio high in the mountains of San Francisco. Gosh. Do we, uh, I just want to, I just want to check something here because there's some momentary confusion on my end. Do we have any special guests this week? We do not. Okay. In that case, it seems like for some reason my phone thinks Jim's name is Steve Frog Fractions. So <laughs> that was um, that was uh, what Jenny put me in her phone as. So maybe she just shared that contact with you. Okay, okay, that might be what happened. Because I was like, oh wow, is Steve Gaynor guesting on our show? And then I thought, wait, why would I have Steve Gaynor's phone information? And then I thought, wait a minute, Steve Gaynor didn't work on Frog Fractions. <laughs> So, also we refer to him as Frog Fractions Gainer. Ah, uh, okay. How's it going, Jim? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Is this the part where we talk about our lives? <laughs> yeah, what's happening over there in Castro Valley? Uh, I've been listening to um, the David Niven jazz tapes. Wow, uh, I've got a story that prepared. Fancy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so th David Niven is a guy who was has been collecting. Well, he's dead now, but. He collected jazz for a long time since he was a teenager and he wanted to share this this passion of his with his children so he recorded a bunch of cassette tapes with like everything he knew about jazz like all the the the, the musician lore and the history of recording sessions um he recorded dozens of these cassette tapes with like him talking about a musician and then playing a song by that musician and then talking some more and then playing another song um and he wanted to share this with his his children, and of course his children didn't give a shit about jazz. Uh, but all these tapes got digitized; they're all on archive.org now. So if you want to um, listen to a bunch of jazz history and jazz music, it's all up there available for free in like cassette tape quality. That's kind of interesting. I do like like. And you do want this, Jim? Uh well. So I've, I've never really liked jazz. Like, so my, my, my personal relationship with jazz is kind of like, I like the part where they play notes somebody wrote, and then I don't yeah, like the yeah. part where they stop doing that and they just start like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not into like noodly like improvisation. What... Jazz is not, is not great for me but isn't isn't jazz entirely noodly and improvisational yeah. you have like a chord change well no because like if you well some is probably but usually what happens is that they have like a minute or two of notes somebody wrote and then they go into the improv yeah um mm. and i just always assumed that every jazz song that you knew that was famous was just this is how somebody happened to play it one time and then other people who were not actually playing jazz were just doing covers of I mean that's that that's, jazz song that's generally with true. that particular random seed applied to it. <laughs> that's generally true, but like you know, if you look at a, a jazz fake book, or you look at you know something like Giant Steps, what you have is a chord progression. What is a fake book? And then who what is, is your is daddy? Giant and steps? what does he do? Um, a fake book is, uh, it, it comes from the idea that, um, you know, a, a, a working musician playing piano in a bar, like, will get all these requests, and they uh, sometimes have to fake their way through songs they don't really know. Um, and so a fake book is just a collection of many, many songs written in the most compact way possible, meaning, in this case, just 
um, the melody line and the lyrics and the chord progression. And a talented musician can or can take that stuff and and turn it into a in real time turn it into a a finished sounding piece of music like a complete song. And so, like jazz standards tend to be just what you see in the fake book. They tend to be like this: here's the melody line, here's the chord progression, maybe there's lyrics, and then you wing it from there. Um, and yeah, you're right. Maybe the 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 so I'm thinking of like um, like Dave Brubeck stuff. Like if you listen to his most famous album, most of the songs on there sound to me like the players are playing too perfectly like together for the first minute that it has to be something that someone sat down and wrote all their parts out. Um, and that's just, that that is mm. a a a common form of jazz. Like a lot of jazz is like that. Uh, and then they go off on, they each get, get a solo and then they come back and then the outro for 30 seconds is another composed thing. Um, but I, I probably shouldn't be talking about jazz in the general sense because there are lots of kinds of it. And you know all of them now because of these David. I've listened to like tapes. three of them, so no, but, um, what is I have no idea. acid jazz? No idea what acid jazz is. Isn't acid jazz another name for trip hop? Like it, acid jazz was like the '90s kind of uh, turntablist, I, like Portishead. I think that yeah, that seems described as acid that seems jazz. right to me at least. Well, in that case, I like acid jazz. If you're wondering what instrument Kevin is playing into his microphone, it is a uh, Cryptex that I handed him like an idiot before <laughs> the show. And now Kevin is trying to figure out what code word I chose for this Cryptex. Uh, uh, is it balls? It's not, it's not yielding to me. Uh. Well, it's so it's six letters. Oh. So like all of my immediate thoughts were ruined because it's like all of those are like four or five letters. Um, but oh, I've been given been boners. <laughs> sure. I've been given a hint. Uh, the The word is a kind of room. Oh, the boner's room. Is a room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Farting. <laughs> I've, I've tried I've tried uh atrium, I've tried studio, I've tried lounge. Um uh, uh shitter would be too many years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, assuming I spelled it right. <laughs> Shiter. I mean, shiter. It's a it's a British yeah. bathroom. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what what's the most surprising thing that you've learned about jazz from the David Niven tapes? Uh, the the surprising thing that I have found is that musicians in the fifties seem to be able to just kind of make a living playing music. <laughs> I mean, do you think that was generally true, or do you think that on, like the ones that you have heard of that's, at this that's point? That's a good point. Maybe you're right. could do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But um, the impression I got, like, talking, listening to this guy talk about the, the biographies of various jazz musicians, and musicians, it sounded like if you could play an instrument, you could make a living doing sessions or doing live shows. But that could just be, like, it could totally be survivor's bias. Yeah. Have you tried listening to the Larry Niven tapes wherein he describes 
uh, the war between the man and the Kazin, <laughs> the cat-like uh, race of warriors. I, I have not. That sounds from another. That planet. sounds a lot more interesting. Um, what have you been up to, Riff? Hmm. And it has to be at least as interesting as these jazz. Oh tapes. shit! <laughs> uh, mainly just building plastic models for death. King, kingdom, King, kingdom death yeah i built one thing that looks like it looks like an elephant with a horrifying baby head which has a thing that comes out of its forehead like an anglerfish and lots of little arms sprouting on either side of its face and i built a thing that looks kind of like an an elizabethan interpretation of the slender man <laughs> and i built a bunch of Do... little spiders is Kingdom Death played on like a grid? Because these things looked very Freeform. ad hoc yeah. in, yeah, in the, shape and sprawl. They, it is played on a grid. Uh, what I didn't show in those pictures is the bases, which are are circles of specific uh, diameter. I see. So, like the each of these each of these monstrosities has. Just to bring it back around to jazz, some sort of a stand-up bass. Right. That yes, it... <laughs> that it plucks while you play. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Nice. That's great. It's very. And are they? Ambient. Are they like? Yeah. Are they following sheet music or do they just no, have it's, kind of like it's, a fake it's, book? It's, yeah, it's, that thing it's I know what. Yeah, it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the the fake book is is a large part of what you're spending your money on in the expansion set. Frankly, we should go down to Menlo Park. And with a single uh, can of white spray paint and uh, turn Facebook's HQ oh. into fake book yeah. HQ. And then like change that it takes the S with a dollar sign. For rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the S in Facebook. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Fair enough. It would be the S in, in uh, been... Facebook's meaning like the word that you conjugate in your head to think to, to um when you're thinking of more than one facebook right yes man hey, banksy's job is harder than i thought <laughs> you have to figure all this out yeah you yeah he works real dollar hard sign why <laughs> uh <clears throat> i had something to talk about but i forgot what it was was it jazz related i feel like i saw a lot of movies we did puzzled pint last night though that was fun yeah it was all bitcoin themed great nominally yeah. the theming the theming was was not it was amazing loose. but it was uh the puzzles were good the puzzles were hard and 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 good and we we uh went to emporium sf which is like a giant barcade here that i I'm going to go on the record as saying that I don't think that it works that well as a barcade. How so? It's very loud and very spread out, and the selection of games is not very carefully curated. curated. Hmm. It's So like, it's more just like a, an arc, a random arcade with a bar attached? There's, there's a lot of like pool tables and shuffleboard tables and... Yeah, it's, like, more, it's more like a kind of a half-assed Jillian. Uh, or like a Dave and Buster's? But, yeah, yeah. That said, it is like the largest bar in San Francisco mm. that we have encountered yet. So it's actually a really good venue size-wise for Puzzled Pint. That's just loud. We just, like, I think 
if we can convince them to like quiet it down turn the music down if we can convince them that they are as old as we are (laughs) the emporium in chicago which is owned by the same people i thought was a very good bar cade it's fine it's right but it was more like like so i think of like something like a ground control (laughs) as being mostly an arcade that has a bar (laughs) in it but emporium sf is definitely on the like this is just a club that has a bunch of video games as its decorations Uh, sure but people were like people were really engaging with the games. Like there were a lot of people playing arcade cabinets and a lot of people playing pinball game, pinball machines and stuff like that. I, it was watching people play air hockey really made me want to play air hockey. I love air hockey. Yeah. Are you like is this like foosball where you're so good at it that it's no. impossible to compete with you? No. And I'm not that good at foosball. Like, I, there were definitely a ton of people at my fraternity that were well, right. Way there were a ton of people in your weird insular foosball community <laughs> that could beat you. But that still in, means in that you're MIT, than, you're like, so they could perfectly calculate the trajectory of every arc. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our brains are, are like that. Word yeah, it's like those Sherlock. It's like the the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> where yep. every time you reach for one of those poles, a bunch of geometry appears in the sky. Yep, a beautiful mind. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of words and equations that we just can see that nobody else can see. Yeah. Master and commander, where you play a violin. <laughs> I don't that at all. Or a stand-up Oh, bass. I thought we were just listing uh, things from Russell Crowe movies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, Kevin? I was in Boston uh, for the past week, which is one of the reasons that we did not record last week. Uh, I was there... Uh, demoing west of loathing in the nintendo booth on the switch yeah which is exciting although it seems like the nintendo booth kind of sucked for me i think it was fun for people that wanted to play some games on on the nintendo switch but there was a two-hour wait to get into it yeah that that was probably my my primary complaint with the setup was that it was sort of one of those booths on a show floor where they wall off the interior and then have a single entrance for people. And so the inside is actually pretty, pretty chill in general. It's not crazy crowded like the regular floor of packs, uh, but you have to wait a long time to get in. And that seemed really counterproductive to me. I don't know who would do that or why they would. Was, were most of the people waiting in line there to see one particular game? I don't know. There, they were. What games? What games were hot? What games were popular with the youth of today? Dark Souls was very popular. Um, basically, all the AAA titles that are coming out were were a lot of things. Donkey Kong Country, I saw something was on there. Uh, the Crash Bandicoot trilogy, which I'm actually super excited about. I think hmm. that's gonna be fun. I play. I remember playing that on my. Uh, playstation emulator yeah that's coming out for is that coming out for the switch that's super weird that was like a he was like a sony mascot for a while yep i don't i don't understand is that's not where ukulele came from right no ukulele came from banjo kazooie jim what's the difference i think you'll know this what's the (laughs) difference between banjo kazooie and boot crash bandicoot Boot Bandy Cramps. Yeah, yeah, so... Crash Bandicoot was just a single boot, character. Boot Bandy Cramps was the guy double. in the British version of Sherlock. Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> is a, a game that's more inspired by Mario 64, which was a um, 
an attempt to like Mario 64 was an attempt to take like the 2D platformer and turn it into 3D in the sense of like where the 3D actually matters where you're you're running around you're exploring a 3D space um and that game like it turned um 2D obstacle courses into like instead what you're doing is you're exploring a space and like the goals are marked by uh, icons that you want to collect in the case of Mario 64 they were stars so like you would make your way through t- through the 3D space to those stars and that's how Banjo Kazooie worked as well Crash Bandicoot was a lot more like let's just take uh a 2D game and extrude it into yeah. 3D um and so a lot of the time in Crash Bandicoot what you're doing is you're running either towards or away from the camera um and it's still like a 2D obstacle course, uh, but you're technically playing a 3D game. It was pretty fun, as I remember. But also, it was 20 years ago. Who, so who knows? Yeah. Who, which one of those characters had a bad fur day? That was uh, that was Conker. That was a rare character. That How But that rare? was not either of the ones we were talking about. <laughs> was Banjo Kazooie rare? Banjo Kazooie was a rare game, yeah. Okay. So it's like Wizards and Warriors for the NES. That is, yes, yes. That is a Wizards and Warriors Bad Fur Day. <laughs> because I didn't immediately know that Rare was a studio, I just assumed that you were talking about games that were hard to find. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, even after all games. this time, even after making that joke repeatedly on this very podcast. Yes. <clears throat> well, yeah, that is a bad name for a studio. Before that, they were called Ultimate Play the Game. Huh. <laughs> Every, everything should just be called Toys for Bob, where Bob is a different name <laughs> per studio. <laughs> that would be a lot clearer. I saw somebody tweeted at us and introduced us to Symmetric Games. Yeah, that was <laughs> pretty good. Well, you can't tell by looking at the logo that it's asymmetric. I know what we should do. We should work together on a remake of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Get it? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm processing. Good. Get David Niven to explain it to you. Is this a Natalie Portman joke? His kids didn't. His kids didn't give a fuck about video games either. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I think we're talking about video games now. That. Yeah, I sure. guess so. It happened smoothly. Nice. Slid, slid yeah. right into them. Yeah. You know, what I played a bunch of over the last couple of days for some fucking reason was uh, the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. Yeah, I saw wow. you logged into that on Steam and I, was, and I was confused. Yeah, I don't know what... I Like, some unseen force dragged my hand to the mouse and made me click to download that. I'm not... I'm playing it without any mods or anything. It's... It's old. Yeah, it's like ten years old. I'm, you know, I'm like creeping around caves, shooting zombies with a bow and arrow. Is it only ten years old? It's pretty good. Yeah, Oblivion was, was Oblivion was old the instant it came out. <laughs> it's it is it does feel older than because like well, like it, Oblivion felt there was only what like a ye- Oblivion felt like way older after a couple of years than Skyrim like even does now feels today yeah yeah and it's it seems weird because morrowind to me feels like a game from the fucking 80s yep like 
trying to play Morrowind, like, I just couldn't deal with it at all. Like, Oblivion, I can actually find the Bethesda game in there. It is not... It's something that has struck me as different about it than more modern. And when I like when I'm thinking of more modern Bethesda games, I'm thinking of just like the the Fallout's post 3 and Skyrim. But like every cave is like a sprawling multi-zone dungeon in Oblivion. Yeah. And it's they're like really large and the sort of personality density is fairly low. Hmm. Like, especially when you look at the map and and it's weird because like the map reveals, all right, these are obviously just put together out of tile sets, right? Like that, like there's, I've seen this shape of room, but it doesn't feel like that when you're actually running around in it. And maybe that's just because just I haven't decorated poked around room. enough to like see the, see the cracks or maybe there's a, like a bunch of variations on the interior shape of a space or whatever. I don't know that you'd need to bother with that. I don't know that anybody would really notice, but, uh, but yeah, it's just every, every map point of interest that you go to, it's like, this is probably going to take 45 minutes to see what's in there. Whereas I feel like with Skyrim, there were a lot of like fairly short dungeons. And then there were a it, lot of just like, here's a fort, which is just like a building and a, and a palisade around it. And that's it. It varies. And you don't really know yeah. going in how long it's going to be. Cause some of, some of them are three hours long and some of them are 20 minutes. And yeah. it's, it's really hard to know. Uh, but the, I, I felt like there's a, a pretty wide variety because I, I did not spend as much time with Skyrim, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, eight years ago when I played it the first time. Uh, you were saying you remembered having the impression that, or you remembered me having the opinion that a lot of the dungeons and I still kind of like, I remember Jim having like one of the first times I met you, I was having a conversation with you on the roof of Kevin's apartment and you were asking me what... I wanted West of Loathing to be like in terms of scope. And I said Skyrim and you assumed that I was joking, but, <laughs> right. but then I expressed my feeling, which is that for whatever reason, I don't think of Skyrim as actually having all that much content, which is weird. It yeah. is weird. Cause I think it's an incorrect feeling on my part, but I still really feel it. Like I think, okay, there's five types of thing that you go into and that's it. I see. Yeah. I, right? I do think there's like five types of thing. Yeah. I do think that in terms of like variety of content and variety of things you show to the player, just in general, I think West of building is better than Skyrim. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> I, but like, that's the thing. Like I, I, because I didn't want. Like we could just make like a dungeon generator, and our, then the game has infinite content, right? But it's all the same, oh, and so it's bad. all the same, and it sucks, right? Like that. It's like it's possible that we could do something like that and use it very sparingly, and that it would be like acceptable and fun to some people. But like, yeah, I don't know, like. It, to me, Skyrim has, like, well, okay, it has the, like, Draugr dungeon, right? And there's, you know, 50 of those, each of which has one of those Dragon identical wizards at the end with the mask that you get. I think there's only eight of those, for okay. sure. Uh, well, so then there's then there's Draugr dungeons that just don't have anything in them. Well, there's right? some large 
death draugr at the or end. there's like right in like a big yeah like a big chest which i mean it's fine right that's yeah. what a lot of these dungeons in oblivion are like like but they must all have some kind of story to them though right that like there'll be one that you go into and somebody's trying to get in there to get some treasure or, or you'll go into one and there's uh some bandits that are have holed up in there or you'll go into one and they're all still the draugr dungeons but they're they've got a little bit of flavor to them you yeah know? just they feel they feel even more homogenous than the stuff that, and it's weird because i didn't feel this way about oblivion when i played it at first i was like every one of these dungeons is huge and the same and there's nothing in it and I don't know if that's just because I didn't know how to find the stuff that was hmm. in it or how to, like, kind of pick it out against the landscape of other similar dungeons. But it, like, I, Skyrim just feels like a very low density. Like, it's there is a very weird. low density of bespoke content per both game world space and time. Right. Yeah, and I, I love it. And, like, I get, you know, it was a tremendous amount of work, but I can't shake this feeling about it yeah i think that the the elder scroll series and this goes to a lesser extent for fallout um is kind of a like the magic trick that it's trying to pull is like a compromise between a, a generated world and a completely authored world where like we it, it is technically human authored but using the same techniques that like, if you look at GDC Vault, you'll find talks about, like, here's how we build our, like, level creation kits for for all the different themes of spaces we have in Skyrim. And they're just blocking out dungeons using those kits. Um, and it's, like, as authored as little as they can get away with to still feel like an authored experience. It's like a compromise between a generated world and an authored one. And like that's weird because wasn't like pre Morrowind the the most recent Bethesda game before Morrowind was like entirely proc gen right right wasn't well and that's Arena big, just Dagger a sort of fall yeah it? no Dagger okay. Daggerfall right. Dagger, and Arena Daggerfall was both highly generated yeah oh they're okay but, I mean there was some there was some authored spaces in it but a lot of that <laughs> like the 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 outside world was I think just a, a fractal basically but the because like some part of the selling point of these games is that they are huge like the scope of them that that it's going to take you 150 hours to play this game is one of the selling points um and like that that's something that but they're also trying to sell to people who wouldn't want to play a roguelike because that's too um samey and so they're trying to find the compromise there. And I think West of Loathing is just like, no, here's just a bunch of content, like in, more in like an adventure game than like a Skyrim. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that everything is authored gives it a different character. And like any game in which everything is authored gives it a different character, I in, guess. But In yeah. adventure games, though, you are sort of expected to go to all of the authored content right. and see it. Whereas yeah. West of Loathing, there are huge swaths that you could just ignore yeah and i mean in skyrim there's definitely like no nobody's gonna go everywhere it yeah. so, but even like fallout 3 i feel like i can if i sat down and was forced to i could probably list 60 places that i went in fallout 3 that were all totally different from one another yeah i agree and i bet i could name five places in Skyrim. Yeah, I, I think Fallout 3 does a lot better job with that. And I'm not sure why, because it's the same tech and it's the same team. Yeah. yeah. 
the fact that it takes place in a modern world equivalent more, means there's more reference right yeah like so you can uh, like in skyrim they can say this is a school and then of the other place they can say this is a i don't know supermarket i mean you know there weren't supermarkets in skyrim times <laughs> but like fallout 3 can have a an elementary school and a supermarket and use a lot of the same yeah, yeah. Walls like the, and stuff, the but the way based the, on what scenery they strew right, around. The way the like the uh, the police station doesn't really look fundamentally different from the inside of an office building, but it still kind of feels different. I wonder if that's just because we have different like mental domains for the, all the variety of things that can appear in a modern setting as opposed yeah. to just a simplified fantasy setting. And so that's why it just feels like it's a bunch of forts and caves and ruins. And that's it. Right. Right. Whereas it's kind of the same thing here, but it's like, oh, this is the... And I think it's kind of nice that it doesn't really matter that the police station in Fallout 3 is a police station because you don't want to, like, oh, fuck, now i got to figure out what cops are like in this video game. Right. Like, and I have to figure out what it means for there to be, like, I don't know, teachers <laughs> or whatever. Like, it removes all of the complexity that would make like a perfectly accurate simulation of real life really overwhelming and boring <laughs> but still has the advantage of giving you the flavor of it thinking about the deus ex games there's in some ways there's even less variety in those because they're just streets and buildings and the buildings are th you know thematically different but fundamentally the same in a lot of ways i guess the later games they they spend more time trying to make the architecture unique and compelling and interesting but it's i mean it's a very small amount of very complicated space right, right. as opposed to a very large amount of relatively simple space when they do have things like secret doors and stuff they're it's a surprise and exciting yeah it just doesn't feel like there's i mean i guess you don't want that all the time but it's Something that would be interesting to me to look at would be a list of all of the things, like all of the models or mechanisms or scripts or whatever that only appear once in all of Skyrim, mm. right? Like thinking about like there's that dungeon where you get the Sunbreaker or whatever the whatever that the Daedric uh, sword that is good against undead. Dawnbreaker, right? That's isn't like that the isn't that like it's the, like a temple that has a light DLC. shining in from the top. No, no, no. It's just in the base game. It's like a temple that has a light has this like an opening that lets sunlight in on the top, and you just have to align. Like it's just like the most dumbass video game thing ever. You just have to line up a bunch of mirrors to shine a beam of light through to open the central sanctum where you get this sword. But like that feels to me like authored content in a way that the 40 equally authored but identical draugr tombs mm. just with their rotate the brick to the animal puzzles yeah like it just i feel like in my first like four hours of playing skyrim i solved that exact same puzzle four or five yeah. times and it just gave it 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 like really undercut my sense of the world as being full of a lot of stuff and it could have just been the way that i saw it. i like even thinking about it now i find it so hard to justify this feeling i have that skyrim doesn't have very much content in it but i feel it so strongly 
That's weird. I mean, that didn't stop me from putting a hundred hours into it, but it's the like I don't know. It's fun without it, right? Because it's fun to just poke around and level up your different skills and like oh, I want to try something different and maybe I can make a potion out of this or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the trick worked. Oblivion's pretty fun. <laughs> it something that I am running into this time that I never did on playthroughs before was what is. There's a page in the Elder Scrolls wiki entitled The Leveling Problem, which is just a feature of the way that that enemy scaling works in Oblivion, was that if you, like, you level up by increasing your skills, and if you are leveling up by increasing skills that are not combat skills, mm -hmm. then you are just making all of the enemies harder without you gaining the ability to deal with them better, and I've kind of run into that where like even baseline enemies are starting to take like 50 gold worth of arrows to kill <laughs> and it's Can you and also it's just not fun magic? to like strafe around for 20 well but i rolled a assassin so all of my like i was doing just like stealth bows alchemy i guess i just need to like start poisoning my shit yeah i've can you not sneak up behind something and stab it with a sharp thing I just want to shoot bows, man. Okay. I've heard that, like, I, I never, I guess I never played Oblivion. Um, and maybe I didn't encounter this in Skyrim because I just played it in the most boring way possible by just leveling up all my combat skills. But um, in Oblivion, I, I saw lots of people complaining about the, the monster scaling just in terms of breaking immersion. Like, like they're, they're, they would talk about, um, uh, a random encounter where like a group of thieves would break into somebody like a merchant's a merchant's uh house to rob him and the armor they're wearing is like crystal plate mail and it's worth uh, <laughs> 10 times more than everything in the house because that's, like, that's what was level... nice about or go on that was that was the whole thought Okay. Well, I was just going to say that that's that's what was nice about how they implemented it in Fallout 3, which was was that things Oh, hang on. Okay. <laughs> this is it's Kevin it's the Kevin's phone headphone jack is uh, just Well, it, it things things scaled in Fallout 3, but in like Cat in like, in, like bands, bands that were yeah. associated with yeah. so like the, I think that's how Skyrim works the, uh, too like the it, it opening seems like they area kind of finally figured like the, it out. the the rats and the opening area would not level above however much no matter how high in level you got and so you could still go back and crush shit in the early zones which is fun like I don't I <laughs> that's one of the greatest things about an RPG is going back and stomping on the guys that shit on you when you were just starting out. So it's, right. uh, so, it's so, no, it's, so it's no Skyrim good when level and, scaling breaks that. Right. So Skyrim and Fallout, they use a, a system where you would just, like, you'd go in, like, a, the, the enemy level for each region is authored. Is that right? Um, I believe so. Although with Fallout, it might be, it might, you might set the enemy level of a region when you get there. Okay. Although that doesn't sound right. They've talked no, about doing sure. that. Like, I, I remember... The, the trick is just to travel everywhere real quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that's well, that, that's another thing that's dumb about this, is that there, all these systems are really easy to game. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do think that um, the 
authoring the enemy level enemy difficulty levels in each region is the way to do it like that also allows you to like provide a more guided experience which like maybe that's maybe they think that's like anathema to these open world games but like when you can go in literally any direction it's good to have some guidance Yeah, I mean, I think I don't mind an open world game where, like, the nearer you are to the starting town, the more... Sure, it, it could just be... You know, or, like, just the nearer you are to any town, right? Just, like, a sure. heat map yeah. of population centers that would even is make the logical inverse sense. of the difficulty of monsters. Like, the, yeah, like... I don't know. I wonder if that... I wonder if that sucks, right? Because then when you get to a new town and you're high level... They send you on quests that are nearby, but like they're trivial. Yeah, they you. they yeah they'd have to not do that. Yeah, yeah. Then that stops making logical sense. Like when I was playing The Witcher, this is this is a guy who's supposed to be a a veteran who's been doing this for decades. Um, and I you and you start at level one, and. <laughs> Right. Just because they need to have that leveling curve in the game because it's an RPG. And, like, if you try to fight an endgame enemy you just, at level one, you just die. It's it's It doesn't make any sense for this character, but that's just how these games have to work, I guess. That's why origin stories are always better than the follow-ups. You get to see them level up from level one. Yeah, that, that does make sense. That's why origin RPGs such as Mass Effect Andromeda are better than Steam RPGs such as Mass Effect 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also... Maybe I just... I've started playing a bunch of Imbroglio again. Did you play the new expansion? A little bit, yeah. Although mostly what I have been doing is there's a daily challenge <laughs> mode that got it got implemented at some point when I wasn't paying oh, nice. attention, which is just it picks a character and then eight weapons that are available, and then that's the set for four days. And I don't know if it's entirely random or if there's a bunch of if there are like Constraints. guidelines for them being curated or whatever. Uh, but it's got like. You know what is really frustrating to me is that I don't think that there is any way for me to go into Game Center and add friends anymore. So whenever I see people I know on leaderboards and I think, oh, I should friend them on Game Center so they'll show up on my friend leaderboard, I go to run Game Center and it doesn't exist anymore. So yeah. it's weird that the servers are still up, but the app is gone from the modern era. So there's no way to add friends anymore? I don't think so. Can you so. just find not, a? Not if you have. Can a, you like just send you SQL queries to some database somewhere? Maybe, yeah. I guess because yeah, Game Center doesn't exist on the desktop OS, right? Used to. I don't hmm. know if it does anymore. I thought it did. It's pretty weird. Yeah, I really don't understand what Apple's doing vis-a-vis -vis that whole ecosystem. I mean, you know, everything had to be a social network for a minute there, and then that trend kind of wore off, so maybe they just wore off with it. Because, I mean, nobody, it doesn't make them any money, right, to have... You don't think? Eh. To have a, a social aspect? Because every now and then you want to see how you do compared to your friends in a video game. Yeah. And if they're not playing that game, you might say, hey, buy this game so that I can see if I'm better than you. Hmm. 
See, I would never do that because all of my friends are always better than me at every video game. And so I don't like the only games that I'm ever good at are ones that no one else can play. Huh. Yeah, apparently the only thing that I've played besides Imbroglio and the assignment is Oblivion, even though I only installed it yesterday. I That can't be... I guess I played a shitload of Hearthstone. I thought you had been playing Oblivion off and on over the past couple of months. No. Morrowind? Far Cry 5. No. No, not Morrowind. Didn't you go back and play one of these games within the past six months for a while? I don't think so. Weird. Unless I did and just forgot. Huh. I have I did I did put a lot more hours into Far Cry 5. I'm like the the game is divided into three sort of regions that you finish the story missions in each region and I'm now I've got two of those knocked out and I will either play it to the end or never play it again depending on wh- whether I click on Oblivion or Far Cry 5 the next time I sit down at my computer. Do you throw a bunch of shovels around? I don't. I didn't uh I didn't learn how to do that. Okay. And I don't know how many shovels I can carry, but I didn't think it was that many. I think it might just be the same shovel. I think you just throw it in somebody and then somebody brings it back to you. <laughs> you recover it. Oh man. You uh you tell your follower to shoot that shovel with an arrow and it causes the shovel to ricochet back into your hand. Sure. Um shovel on a chain. The game continues to be pretty stupid, but for whatever reason, I am really, I, you know, maybe because it's set in a modern day, it feels like it has a ton of content because you can like kinds of places are there <clears throat> lots and lots. Every outpost, instead of just being a typical like this is a military compound is like this is a meatpacking plant or this is a granary or this is, you know, a, a gas station or this is a museum or like it's it's just it's really fun to be running around like just playing a crazy open world blowing shit up game, but that is set in familiar country in the U S yeah. And like, I don't know it. You didn't, you, but you never got into the watchdogs. No, I guess that's not a a bunch of blowing stuff up. necessarily. And it's also like in a city, which I find, I think kind of less, appealing well, it's, it's less novel certainly like we've and... seen we've seen open world games set in american cities for over for like two decades now yeah and like also basically everything that you see in far cry 5 is something that you're supposed to kill like it is such an abstraction <laughs> away from the real world that it's like there are there are essentially no bystanders, right? There are like either militia people who are on your side and will shoot the cult zombies or there are the cult zombies. Spoilers. Yeah, but that, that's no, they're just zombies because they just they can't really personify them too much or you'll feel guilty about killing white people. <laughs> just people. Right? No, for, for this <laughs> for this series, white people specifically. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it was never gonna, it was never gonna land any kind of tone and it kind of just gives up even trying anything. I think you should finish it because I've heard people talking in vague terms about the ending being interesting. Oh yeah. And so you should do that so you can tell me what it is. So that you can know what the ending is. Okay. Vicariously. Yeah. Stephen Heck. 
Mm-hmm. Have you have you played um, Horizon Zero Dawn? No, I would lo- I would really like to, but I don't have oh, a PlayStation. Right. You can come over and play it on my PlayStation. Oh yeah, yeah. Huh. Or I could bring the PlayStation over here. No, that doesn't. Neither of those seems like a good idea. Why don't you have a PlayStation? For it seems like, like you could just game. write it off. Well, I could, but I don't. He doesn't want one. Yeah, I don't want one. Huh. It's like you with a Windows PC. Okay, fair. I will accept that answer. I mean, someday, like, if it's like every other console, someday some game will come out that I really, really want to play, and I will buy a PlayStation for it. PlayStation 4. It. <laughs> I heard I heard there's going to be a PS5, and it's not going to play PS4 games, and this is confirmed by a for-real journalist. <laughs> I just people on Twitter were angry about some story getting reported incorrectly based on some like NDA breaking uh, leak from Sony and everybody's like, hey, everything sucks. Uh, the fact that they don't support PS2 or 3 games with the PS4 is pretty obnoxious, right? I don't know. I mean, the Super Nintendo didn't play Nintendo games and nobody cared. Like, I have a real hard time getting head up about that kind of thing in That's modern a, consoles because the, the ps3 like, that had the ps2 inside it was great because then you could just buy a ps3 and then you got two consoles yeah worth of that, games. but it's really two. just the ps2 that did that the ps2 could play ps1 games and then for a while people thought the ps3 would be play ps2 and ps1 games and then that turned out to be too expensive so they changed their minds and that's really the extent of the history of backwards compatibility in like it if you compare that to all the console consoles that have been released without backwards compatibility, it's just a drop in the yeah. bucket. It's pretty much just Nintendo handhelds that have that have stuck with that for any length of time. Yeah. Oh yeah, sort of right because the DS they, they'll would play still like play they'll play one GTA generation games. back. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- because that's pretty clever. It right? is. Yeah. You don't feel like you're if you are currently playing something, you don't feel like you have to stop. You can just grab the new console and plug the old stuff in it hadn't occurred to me until just now to be grouchy that i can't play fucking mario maker on the switch <laughs> but now i'm grouchy about that yeah and that's that, that's, that's a hard thing that they have not ported yet that's well it's a hard port because it doesn't you can't use both the uh, screen and the tv at once um so it would be yeah it's a so it just you would just have to fundamentally rewrite the way that the interaction with that game worked. Well, it would have to it would have oh, to be a, a a a screen only game, rather a um a handheld mode only game because that game requires a stylus to work. The editor does anyway. Yeah. And you can't use the you can't use a stylus when you're using a TV. Yeah, it's it's a weird like the Switch is not quite uh not quite doesn't quite have parity with the with the Wii U. Hmm. And the the Switch doesn't have a stylus. Oh, I don't even know if a stylus. Like I, I'm sure that there are styli that would. Work, yeah, I don't think it comes with one. Nintendo um, stylus wouldn't work. I don't think. I think the Nintendo. Yeah, not like a plastic one. There, there are like, there are like whatever capacitive styluses or whatever you can get. They're yeah. not great though. I've, I I remember yeah, messing I mean, around the, with them. It does doesn't have the precision. Yeah, because the they're like the big Wii, foam right? wads on the end of them. Doom wads. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
What do you, what have you been playing, Kevin? Uh, I played a couple games at PAX. Uh, there were so there are two games next to ours in the demo station. One is The Messenger, ah, which is so that good. yeah, like Ninja Gaiden sort of Ninja Gaiden light. Axiom Verge. It's good. It's <clears throat> Granted, I got to see the demo played a hundred times uh, and think about it, but the just thinking about the level design that they they have is is pretty solid. I'm I'm pretty excited about that, and it's it's the is it like is level based fun. or is it like explory? Uh, everything in the demo was pretty linear. Okay, uh, but I don't know if that's true of the final game. Um, but it was clever. There's a bunch of neat mechanics to it. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it a bunch. Uh, and then on the other side was a, a sort of a co-op puzzle game that was kind of cool called Pude, P-O-D-E, spelled like Pode, but uh, I guess that's like Norwegian. It's a Norwegian word that means like uh, the, a plant cutting that you grow up, mm. and that's also sort of a diminutive term for for your kids maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just sort of fit well with the, the the theming of the game, which is that a star crashes into the earth and needs to be rescued. And so this rock creature helps the star get there, get out of this like cave system. Or oh, something. A classic rock star story. Rock star story. Yeah. A classic <laughs> rock star video game. Um, and those both both seem pretty good. Uh, I got to. I did not get to play, but I got to watch a bunch of pool panic being played. That is. Uh, is that swimming pool or billiards? Billiards. billiards. Okay. It's an adult swim game. It's. Uh, I watched it for about a day and a half and was very confused, and so I texted Jenny, who is, uh, I guess, working on it a little yeah, bit. She's she's helping test it. I swim. think. Yeah. And I was like, what? explain this game to me because it does not make any sense and she said oh uh it's just about a bunch of billiard balls trying to live their life uh but you're a cue ball so you got to knock them into all you got to knock them into the pockets because you're an asshole (laughs) and uh and then i watched it and i was like oh yeah that's totally what's happening you're just like a fucking jerk and you're ruining all these billiard balls all these billiard balls lives uh what kind of like hopes and dreams do they have? Like, they're just what... living. They're just living their lives. They're doing. They're but trying to do is, their I jobs. Mean, a, a billiard ball's life is typically just sitting motionless on the surface of a billiards table. These these billiard balls have have got uh, families. <laughs> okay. Are there like houses and shit in the way of the pockets? There's all kinds of weird stuff going on. There, okay, there's a good. ton of different mini games. Uh, it's. It, I don't really know. There were some weird Russian nesting doll things happening in some places, and then some. There was a place where they were. The billiard balls were just camping. Okay. So, so in some ways they have domiciles. Yes. Um, I played a little bit of the, the Crash Bandicoot on the Switch, uh, and it was exactly like the old Crash Bandicoot that I remember. Uh, I guess it was slightly like remastered. Slightly, there's like a cool shader or something. It's it's good that they got that right because one thing I read when that the remake was first released was that they actually just re-implemented the game from scratch. Hmm. Like oh, including wow. including all the, the the jumping physics presumably. Huh. I wonder if yeah. its inclusion in like that recent Uncharted game was practice for that or something. I I well 
there was a Crash Bandicoot game. There was a Uncharted. there yeah, was a mini game like, where where yeah the characters play a Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, in like Uncharted Four, you can sit down in front of the TV in your house and play Crash Bandicoot, and your wife will comment on your skills at playing Crash Bandicoot. Well, you're actually you're competing you're with your wife it. because your wife is really good at this game. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, and then as Nathan Drake, you're like, oh, man, I'm really good at jumping. I should be the best at this. And you're really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it was well done. Uh, that was uh, that was actually just a straight emulation. That was oh, okay. uh, the original PlayStation nice. version emulated. Huh. Wacky. Uh, I played a game called Nectar Vector, huh. which uh, a friend of ours, Seth Rosen, is making. It's a two to four player local competitive game where you are trying to pollinate uh, more flowers than your opponent and you've got some uh, abilities where you're a, a bird or some sort of pollinator and you're flying around and you're collecting flowers and you can use that you're trying to get them back to your home base but you can use them up as ammo for various skills yeah rachel's working on that on the battlefield yeah uh i think she's doing a, like an art revamp um, yeah, it sounds but it's right. It's fun. It's a it's a it's a good game. Um, also, Rachel is on Twitter working mm. on being like the next Stephen Wright. <laughs> <laughs> like she is fine. just on a tear with like sentence long weird like paraprosdokian jokes. Yeah, it's a good follow. What the, what was the one that I remember? It was the there's a special place yes. in my heart for for all the deoxygenated blood. Super good. Um, what about you, Riff? What have you played? Uh, I think the only thing of note I played was Minute, which is super, super oh, good right. and charming. I completely forgot about yeah, that I played too. that. Yeah, talk talk about it. Whichever one of you thinks you can talk about it better <laughs> or faster, Here, we'll just break this. Uh, uh, one of you is allowed to talk about Minute. I'm going to break this pool cue and hand you sixty seconds a shard of it. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good. You're you're a duck, and you find a cursed sword, and it kills you every sixty seconds. Uh, you have the option of dying earlier than that if you choose. <laughs> and, and it's that's a ni- that's nice of the sword. Yes. And it's uh, it's basically uh, I don't know. It's like a Zelda or so, like imagine a Zelda somewhere in between Zelda and Link to the Past. I guess maybe like the Game Boy Zelda would be. Oh, actually, it's explicitly the Game Boy Zelda because it runs. Its native resolution is Game Boy resolution, uh, but it has less color. Depth yeah, than yeah, which is pretty funny actually. But uh, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Sort of like sort of like Groundhog Day, except stuff that you acquire is kept. Or so I guess you could say it's also kind of like Dark Souls. It's uh, uh, and you would definitely call it the Dark Souls the, of the video Dark games. Souls of Game Boy games. Let's say. <laughs> Did more like you, Duck Souls. Did, did you 100% I did riff? not. I got something like 62 or 64%, I think. Um, the, the, man. I ended up looking up one spoiler and getting all the items oh, yeah? Yeah. by doing that. Um, like, does, that, does that include all the coins? No, it's just the actual items that have an effect on gameplay. There's... Uh, um, Man, the the old man at the lighthouse who talks really slowly. <laughs> I really enjoyed that joke. 
Yeah, that's, there, that's yeah. something that I actually really dug about the design of this game is that like this game pulls from lots of kinds of games that are notorious for like wasting the player's time. Um, mm -hmm. Like text that appears too slowly is just kind of a video game trope. Um, and look, or like uh, a maze that just takes time to get through, but doesn't actually provide any challenge. Uh, yeah. and, and it takes those ideas and turns them into actual gameplay, which I thought was brilliant. There is a, uh, a streamer I occasionally watch, uh, Lobos Jr., uh, did a blind playthrough of it, and he got to that lighthouse guy and died just as the guy was saying, swim out to the rock and then turn, and then he died. <laughs> it was like, yes, the perfect timing for that moment. I accidentally got the achievement once that was like collect an item with only one second left to lose. Oh, nice. um, I was tempted to just like get all the achievements because they all seemed pretty fun. Uh, but then there's a bunch of hidden ones that I don't know what they Probably are. Probably there's at least one for winning in New Game Plus and New Game Plus looks hard. Yeah, that seems like a fucking bear. You get 40, 40 cents, 40 <laughs> cents instead of a dollar and... Uh, and your sword is always broken. Yeah, your sword is your sword range is super short, and you only start out with one heart. Oh, jeez. I still think I played this game like five years ago. Maybe it's just one of those. It's like this is a game that is so like elemental and perfectly an expression of what it is that it feels like mm. it was discovered like rather elemental. than created. Yeah. yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was like I a swear Flash even game like in two thousand seven. It really, like, I honestly believe that there was a playable version of this multiple years ago that specifically had the, like, kill five crabs. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Thing. And didn't, didn't you play it at Fantastic Arcade? I didn't. I could have sworn that you did. That's why I'm confused. But I also wouldn't, con I wouldn't confuse last November with five years ago, I don't think. It feels like five years have passed since November. I guess it kind of does. <laughs> I wonder if they could actually fit it on a Game Boy cartridge somehow, like, and play it on Game Boy hardware. Somebody was pointing out that, like, it there isn't anything about this game that you couldn't have done 25 years ago except the game design yeah. Yeah. of it. And it's, like, a really good illustration of how, how much that art has advanced. Yeah. Well, or arguably, it's arguably, it's how much tastes have changed. Like, hmm. if you had, if you tried the to tolerance for bullshit has been reduced. Yeah, but also, like, if you tried to sell this, if you tried to sell a game that you can beat in an hour and a half on a cartridge for thirty bucks in nineteen eighty nine, people would revolt because it's just not. Would they? They wouldn't have the internet to. They wouldn't have the internet to like form collective opinions. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, revolt is a strong word, but people would not, you know, recommend it to their friends. Like this game is too short for how much you pay for it. Is what, you'd what have the reaction to, would you'd be. Have like, to Link, to, Link to the Past was like a forty-hour game. Yeah, you'd have to suggest somehow that New Game Plus was the real game, and then the fact that it's Nintendo hard justifies it. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I've the first game. That had difficulty levels. Hmm. Solar Fox 
one of my favorite arcade games, if not my favorite arcade game, has when you start, it has normal mode and expert mode, but that's just like a controls change. Does yeah, well, a, does a lot of arcade games to... had it, but they had it under the control of the operator. Like on jumpers? Uh, yeah. yeah. Does opting to use or not use the 30 lives code in Contra count? <laughs> right. Does the um, the perspective slider and iRobot count? Hmm. Hmm. What if um? What if that slider actually controlled like the empathy of the player character? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a sense, like it brings you closer, like closer to the perspective of the avatar. Like it eventually, if you turn it all the way up, it becomes you, robot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you been playing, Jim? Besides, presumably, I, robot, because why else would that have sprung? <laughs> I was just thinking about difficulty levels. Uh, I've, I've been playing Minute, which I really like. Um, I, uh, I played a game. I've been playing a game that I searched for. There was a game that you guys talked about last week. I think it was Radical Dungeon Sweeper. Um, yeah, I've been, I searched for that on the Play Store, and I found one that was just called Dungeon Sweeper without the radical parts. I think it's unrelated, but it's uh, a phone implementation of uh, Mamono Sweeper, which is a uh, like a a Minesweeper clone where you level up and fight monsters. Um, and that's a you know pretty solid game and and a pretty decent phone implementation of it. Was Mamono Sweeper made by the same guy that made parameters i don't know it for some reason those two games are very closely intertwined in my in my neurons yeah i couldn't tell you do you know parameters no, I, do you know do, are you familiar with the game that i'm talking about? it's a game it's kind it's of like a short idle game sort of it's like a clicker but it was very early. It was from before anything was ever called a clicker. And it was just kind of like a like a simulation of just the systems of an RPG, but very abstract. Like all you were doing was sort of like fighting these rectangles filled with oh. color yeah. and like eventually trying to clear the entire screen. It, yeah, it took like about an hour yeah. to get through. It was, it was good. It was very fun. That does sound interesting. I should track that down and put in a link to it. It's hard to Google. Yeah. <laughs> was it, was it originally in Japanese? I think so, yeah. yeah. What else, Jim? Uh I finished uh The Witcher 3. Um Oh. And and it's uh it I was thinking about this like I I I'm not going to play the game for this long, but um the game kind of in the plot has themes of like the end of the world like the slow creeping end of the world like there's a concept called the white frost where uh you you do a little bit of dimensional traveling uh as part of the teleportation mechanic um and um like some of the worlds you encounter are like overcome with snow and like one of the characters tells you oh, this is just this is the fate of all worlds to eventually just freeze over um and i was thinking about this in terms of like I'm not going to play this game for this long, but this is kind of like a, a metaphor for what it's like to play this game until I have depleted the world of all quests. 
and all that's left is like canned NPC responses that are left. Um, and like randomly generated quests, like in Skyrim. No, they don't even have that. They just they just have the the uh, bespoke quests. Um, and I thought that was interesting. But then, like at the end of uh, it, I'm going to talk about this like in a in in kind of like abstract terms because I guess it's a spoiler. But like the end the end game of The Witcher Three has someone like defeating the White Frost. Like, you know, you're Matt. So you've just killed yeah, yeah, like entropy. You just, you just punched the heat death of the universe and killed it. Effectively. Which is a another, like, a really... Like, this is maybe misunderstanding what chaos is. But, okay, I'll, I'll allow it. It's personified as the heat bath of the universe. <laughs> right. Just an, a name that you can't help but punch. Yeah, Beth. Has there ever been a Beth that didn't suck? <laughs> I know lots of Beths that didn't suck. I mean, it. When's the last time you encountered somebody named Beth? Uh, I dated a Bethany for a while. You... High school. Bethany, though. I mean that. I'm talking about Beth. Oh yeah, as, like, you know, a, I never, I know, I would, of it. like somebody who went by Beth. I never called her Beth, and I think she would have hit me if I did. Yeah, same. Wait, in a in a st st stunning reversal, as opposed to <laughs> Beth. Being... Yeah. The. Do you know anyone named Beth? I mean, I like I went to grade school with people named Beth. Felt like a pretty common name when I was a child. I know I know some Elizabeths, but yeah. I don't know any of them that go by. Yeah, Beth. same. Is Beth just a female Brad? In, in that Brad is short for Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just thinking that every Brad I've known is pretty punchable. <laughs> oh, there's, I mean, I guess there's Bethley. <laughs> right. <laughs> I um, apologize to any Beths or Brads that are listening. <laughs> well, should we talk uh, about the first assignment? First, I want to... Um, I also played a oh. game called Pig Eat Ball... Which, the reason I want to mention it now uh, is because I haven't mentioned it in the past few months, or rather the past few weeks, and I should because there's a fig campaign that ends tomorrow, so hopefully this episode goes up before then. Oh, wow. Um, it's already funded, just barely, so so there's no like huge moral imperative for it, but like, uh, Pig Eat Ball is a game um, that is... Where you, you it's a it's a top down two D game where you're controlling a pig that runs around eating tennis balls, um, and mm, if that you, doesn't sound good for the pig, right? If you eat too many, you bloat up and you can't fit through narrow oh. passages, and so well, then you can push a button to um, to vomit them up, uh, and this like this simple like set of mechanics is used for a bunch of different puzzles. Like sometimes the sometimes the goal is to eat as many balls as possible so you have to like transport them from one region to another sometimes you use them as projectiles sometimes they're used in like a a, a multiplayer like uh, soccer style game like the the variety of things you do with the, the game asks you to do with this with this ball puking mechanic is actually really I was really impressed by it um, and it's it's got the kind of like a 
and this isn't a draw for everybody, but it's got it's kind of like gross pixel art, like cute gross pixel art style um, that I thought was really endearing. Um, and uh, I, I really uh, I really recommend it. Like it's it's structured kind of like uh, the Mario games where like um, there isn't that much of a plot, but you you run around uh, an overworld doing like and 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 entering levels each of which has their own unique goals um and there's just a really wide variety of stuff that you do in the game i i've been really impressed by it there's a demo on on itch if you want to go check it out before giving them your money but uh that's a game that like by the time you read this there's probably like hear this there's probably like three hours left to fund it i bet i'll, I'll try and get this published cool. quick You mean invest in it. Right, yes, gross. <laughs> yeah, let's so, talk about the assignment. You guys want to talk about this assignment? Cyber, Valhalla? Val Cyber, 11, Hal 11. No, it's... it's Va 11, Hal A. a. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, cyberpunk I, bartender action. I stopped reading I it halfway through and just believe... kind of assumed that the rest was another 11. <laughs> Yeah, he, you just you just hammered on A as soon as the title started to print and never never stopped. <laughs> That's the story. Um, the, uh, it's the, I guess maybe they thought putting action in the title would trick right. people. Um, so this was like a visual novel uh, that's set in a cyber future. Uh, where you're a bartender. Yep, you're a bartender. There's a little. It's it's generous to describe the bartending chore as a mini game. Yeah. Well, chore felt more accurate to me. Well, so it is like a cooking game, kind of. Yeah, where like a real simple Somebody asks one, yeah. for a thing, and sometimes it's just make this thing. So sometimes it is really just a chore, but sometimes it's like, I want something that fills these criteria. Yeah. But you can search can your you... recipes but based even on that's that a chore, criteria, which is just so... looking at every drink. Yeah. There's no yeah, time pressure. Really. Like, I want a drink that has this flavor profile, but also has ice, but isn't large. Yeah, like... You can't search for that. You have to actually look for those. And so I... I think this game, that, that minigame specifically, like, is actually fairly similar to something like Papers, Please, except, like, Papers, Please, I feel like, really earned it a lot more, and that's probably just, you know, a thousand tiny decisions of how the game was implemented. Yeah, but, well, also, like, Papers, Please had a real stiff time constraint. On right, that, and that was one so of them, you were, but you were also, uh, also other constraints for, like, yeah, yeah. And stakes, right? Yeah. Like, because you're deciding whether or not this guy gets to live in the same country as his family or whatever. Wait, are you trying to say that deciding whether somebody gets the drink they Gets want their correct cocktail or not? Isn't is, no, important? It's, no. <laughs> no, it's not. It, nothing, and I'm just going to be real ungenerous about this because it's just, I mean, I don't think that, even the person who suggested this probably understood that half of us were going to mm. hate it, Uh but yeah, nothing, nothing rose to the level of like me caring about it yeah. at all. I, I, this. it was like, I played for like 40, I played like the, the first guy and a half, which was ended up being about 40 minutes. And uh, I quit because I realized that I was no longer reading any of what this second guy was saying. <laughs> 
So I also kind of felt like the, the drink mixing mini game, like the interface was really cumbersome and bad. It definitely could have used some love. like, yeah, having to dra- drag, have, drag, drag every like, individual drag shot. Of these. Yeah, do this eight and times. And it, it even yeah, it had the like... little marks right there showing you how many shots were in the thing. Yep. Why couldn't you just like drag out eight shots and then drag the can to the thing? You know, like I said, yeah. I looked on how long to beat, and it says this game is like ten and a half hours oh, long. Oh, and no I, way, uh-uh. boy, is that? I mean, I I how generally don't say, mind a visual really novel, but. I I want to be solving a mystery or something and not just listening to people in a bar. Yeah, it didn't seem like you were making any choices except what drinks to give them. And so I'm assuming that everybody, every scene where you mix somebody a drink had some kind of dialogue that was like, here's if you give them something that's wrong. wrong yeah. Or here's the, if you give them, if you get them drunker by right, making a stronger. Yeah, the tutorial yeah. guy indicated that maybe that would be a factor, but. But it's like, you're not, who is going to play this more than once? You could, I mean, I could imagine you getting into it. The story, the story was interesting to me. It seemed like they were setting up some interesting characters and there was a lot of um, sort of background stuff happening. Like you had a, a phone that has apps on it with news and. Yeah. Like, and I saw it had slots to add new apps to it later. Yeah. Right. Um, and so there was definitely a texture to the world and the, the characterization of the, of the, the NPCs was kind of interesting. I, I don't know. It's not a game that I'm super excited about, but it didn't seem all that, uh, uncompelling to me. No. Yeah. I, like I mean, I could, I could definitely been, see they, someone liking this. It, it just wasn't my thing. <clears throat> yeah yeah were there other mini games like i got to a point where i could shop and i bought some things that theoretically made they changed sprites in your apartment yeah and then theoretically it has impacts on like whether or not you'll be distracted and i don't really know what that means i don't know i just, I don't know what the systems are at play it kind of felt like there weren't any hmm. I don't maybe know. we just didn't get to them Maybe they all. Yeah. Maybe the interesting stuff was introduced on day two. Yeah, maybe it hides its light under a bushel, and that bushel is for people that you don't care of what they're talking about. <laughs> well, sorry, uh, listener, who suggested that. It sounds like we all bounced off of it pretty hard. Uh, what is our next assignment? We did not decide on one. Uh... Jim, did you have... Uh, there was that one that you thought looked like Dark Castle. Yeah, did we find out that that was really done? Uh, I couldn't figure it out from the itch page. Like, there's a... It talks about early access, but also there's a download for version 1.0. So, who Hmm. knows? There's also that weird, uh, Switch, like, noir punch-out game, Pado Box, that I thought looked if you're interested in that at all that'd be fine i'd be into that punch out style yeah it's like a i don't know it's 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 uh it's all black and white like sin city except you're a boxer and you have a duck head (laughs) 
but apparently it's the story is kind of grim despite you having a duck Wait, head. Wait, so it's a black and white game where you have a duck head. Do you get a cursed sword and you die every minute? Uh, no, apparently you just fight with your fists. I, and I guess whether or not no, you die every minute you. is... Oh, jeez. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they're, they're mad because you started dating someone named Beth. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay Pato box okay and what platform is this switch. nintendo switch it's made it's uh, made case, by a mexican studio are curious, i've forgotten the name in case any listeners are curious the game we decided not to do that looked like dark castle was the adventures of elena temple or elena temple um you can get it on itch or on steam and it looks very cute Retro pixel art. It's got like pictures of someone's bedroom in the background because it's supposed to be a game from when you played video games in your bedroom in the 80s. Maybe we can save that for next week's assignment. If you guys are interested, sure. Sure, I am. If it's actually done. But yeah, let's do Pato Box this time. Okay. Yep. Bromeo. And listen, why don't you do, do Pato Box with us? Pato yes. Box. Pato Box. Do you guys have any parting shots for this classic segment of our podcast? Parting shots. <laughs> hmm. Why don't we ever do emails anymore? What What am I going to do with all these sharding pots? Huh. Yeah. Not uh, not make a good joke nope. about them. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't feel like it was worth it. <laughs> Biffy runerism there. Yeah. Uh, wait, Riffy? There's a Riffy Spoonerism? Yeah. So, what is the, what does the adjective Riffy mean in this context? This is your parting <laughs> is shot. That, is that it's just, yeah, something, something that is like something I would say? <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that was a real Riffy kind of joke. Right. Uh, gentlemen, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 326 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. Um... Really? Do you really hope that? Well, not like this, but not like this. In the abstract, not like this. And listen, listeners, listeners, I hope you'll join us. Uh, and until you do, keep your hand in the light socket and keep your other hand in the outlet. Good. Time for emails. Good, good, good night, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. That was my parting shock. Oh. oh.